0: Welcome, this is Improvised Radio Theatre with DICE, me, Michael Kuhl. And me, Roger Fell West. It's the height of summer in uh, Buckinghamshire, which means it's certainly things slightly cloudy and threatening to rain tomorrow. And this month we have for you a range of things. What have we got? Uh, powered
1: by the Apocalypse. Apocalypse World, Dungeon World and their related games. What are they good at?
0: And we have me confessing sins of a self-indulgent kind. The the game master player character. Oh, I have sinned, I have sinned.
1: And real world strangenesses. How do you find them? How do you stick them into games?
0: And uh, what issues of good taste? We do
1: have some of that, don't we? I think you probably have more than I do. Oh, fair enough.
0: Onward! been going back in time to do uh, reviews uh, in recent months, um, and looking at things from our long forgotten and wasted youth. But I thought this time we would have a look at something newer, and something which is more all the fashion nowadays, which is uh, popping up new products very frequently, almost every six months. And that is the games which are based off the Powered by the Apocalypse system, which was first presented in Apocalypse World. That was published in 2010, and there've been a whole raft, Roth what's a collective noun for a set sort of role-playing games? Anyway, the there's been a whole whole load of them come uh, come down the pike, and some more successful than others. It's the product. Apocalypse World originally is the product of D. Vincent Baker, who was uh, earlier known to fame for uh, Dogs in the Vineyard, which I didn't like much. And uh, in a wicked age, which I liked a, lot, a bit more, though I had reservations about, and one or two others which I'm not going to go into. Apocalypse World is the um, is the original, and, and it arguably in many ways the best of the, these uh, series of games. And it also sets up the, uh, the format, the style of doing things. So let me take take you through it gradually. Stop yeah. me if you haven't heard any of this, Roger. What it strikes me of the three things that the Apocalypse World, the Powered by the Apocalypse um, system does, is first of all, it finds a world, a setting, which is somewhat genericised, which is somewhat gettable by your average gamer. Yeah, it's not so much collaborative
1: world creation as quite a lot of indie games do.
0: Though there's an element
1: of that, yeah. But it's here is a world that you pretty much already know. Uh, yeah, you, whether, yeah. Yeah, it, you've apocalypse, seen this sort of world before. Apocalypse world, yes, it's a post-apocalypse, but indeed, just as with the Mad Max film, it doesn't really matter how the apocalypse happened. Mm-hmm. You weren't involved in that. What matters is there is now a collapsed society and you've got to deal with it.
0: It may come to matter. That may be one of the things that you're going to explore yeah, but in, it's, in it's the game. game. But it's left, it's left uns, deliberately left un, unspecified and vague and weird. So that you can go with things. There's Do you remember seeing the uh, the, the uh, a documentary about um, Doctor Who, the start, the first Doctor Who um, adventures in time and space, hmm. where at one point the producer says, "Cut all that dialogue about uh, where he comes from and and, and what uh, and what he's do, doing here. It's too specific. Make it vague. We can fill it, the details in later." Yeah and that And that's why it's done with um with, with these apocalypse world, as you say it's it starts in in the Mad Max sort, sort of world, well, something has gone wrong. you're living in the ruins of a much more advanced civilization and living off the remnants of it, and things are desperate, things are dusty, and you're out in the in the desert, and what are you going to do to whom and to survive There's a fair crazy. bit of rule of cool involved, I think i mean
1: yeah. it is a cool thing to have heavily modified cars. Um, so, that are used in the battle. Therefore, there are heavily modified cars that are used in battle. Even if fuel infrastructure and distribution would be a complete
0: pain to keep going, we're not looking at things making too much sense here when we start out. Yeah, let's let ha- ha- have characters who drive a lot. Let's have characters whose big thing is that they're the leader of a religion. Let's have characters who have weird psychic powers. And not mm-hmm. worry too much about the mechanics. And that's the second thing that a Powered by the Apocalypse game needs. It needs uh, the ability to write characters, definitions of characters, not strictly pinned down, but with options built into them, which people can relate to. So... Um, yeah, I would say Powered by the Apocalypse itself
1: is... It's it's like fudge. It's Here are a set of tools that you can use to build an RPG. Yeah, and nobody's written... I don't think anybody's written a... a, a system spec for it
0: the yeah There, there,
1: there isn't a, a generic system book plus then the world supplement the, the system is light enough that you can just hmm. tweak it and include it in, in the
0: book anyway yeah but when you've got the, the definitions in apocalypse worlds as people like the driver who are, are good barrelling about in the aforementioned uh, armored vehicles there's a gun bunny who um, uh, you know goes around shooting things coolly um, there's a the psychic there's the hard holder who is the leader of one of the um, of one of the settlements, all of whom have issues, all of whom have special abilities that they can they can use um there are a set of generic for each game there's a set of generic moves things you can do, yeah, and they, a set they, they of specific moves to each character
1: type, yeah. Broadly speaking, a move is generally a matter of rolling two d6
0: plus maybe a stat, plus or minus. If you if you pour, if you pour at the stat, yes. And then, and this appears to be the solid mechanic of it. If you you've got a ten plus, you've got a solid success. You do the thing you were aiming at without, you do it superbly without um, cost or hesitation, deviation, repetition, or, hmm. um, and and you you get you get the job done. On a seven to nine. You get it done, but there's something you don't get it all of it done or you get it done and you must pay a price you get it done and you hurt yourself in the process of, do, of doing it if you're all under if you're all six or under the GM is entitled to screw you in some manner of his own devising mm-hmm. and that's the only mechanic the only dice rolling mechanic the only game mechanical mechanic it feels. Yeah, and stat
1: modifiers are typically sort of minus three to plus three, yeah. and a three is a fairly extreme
0: one. And there are various situational bonuses and things. But. Yeah, there are uh, there are considerations like uh, links with other other characters. And that's another thing. It it changes
1: a bit from game to game, but it does seem to be a common factor in all the games. Have, having some sort of
0: tie in with the other for yeah. good or ill. For, yeah. Uh, for I hate him. Uh, he hates and he hates me too um, he's my best buddy he saved my life once um, and they all have consequences and that's built in one of the things about about the character system is you get these p- playbooks printed out uh, before before the game and you spread them before your players and say here choose who you want to be at the first session mm-hmm. and they can take those and they can within a very short space of time have characters Ready to play and ready to go. Yeah, they say things like, "Here is the move that you must have for the for this sort of character."
1: Now pick two out of these other four, or something yeah. of that sort. And um, yeah, th- they even give you a, a list of standard names to choose mm-hmm. from, a list of standard appearances to choose from. A, this is the sort of thing this sort of person tends to look like. And o- obviously, one wouldn't be completely bound by it.
0: But e- even if it's just giving suggestions, that's not not a bad start. Well, it, but basically, it it's, it brings you to the table. Gets you excited if if it's doing its job right, and and you're there ready 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 to uh, to play and to and to go very shortly. Um,
1: it, I should it, mention it helps that, that these, these are fairly broad and fairly well defined characters. I mean, one one some of them are probably fairly cliched as well. But again,
0: it's something you can get uh, a handle. Especially on in quickly. Dungeon World, it's deliberately yeah, it's deliberately done that way. Um, the, the and there is niche protection built built in. You're only supposed to have one of each type in in each in each setup. Though there are there are rules there are rules that stretch that later on. Yeah, there there are some things I I thought were forced into
1: being moves that don't really fit into this mechanic. I mean, a move is a nifty thing your character does. Yeah. Um, but some of them are what I would think of as rules. You know, the, the 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 angel in Apocalypse World is the, the the medic type yeah. has has the option of a battlefield grace move which gives them plus one to their armour when they're healing somebody rather than fighting. That's not something they have to roll, that's just
0: something they are. Yeah. But the, but again it, it's an advantage it's an advantage to the character in place. So it, it's yeah. a thing you it, get to choose what one, one of these and one and two more of
1: those. Everything gets rolled in under moves. But and
0: not, I th- I think yeah. you can and I think you can earn by experience in those games which emphasize experience. The third part of the Power by the Apocalypse thing is the GM's section. Now the, all the dice rolling is player facing, as the jargon has it. The players roll roll the dice when the situation forces them to, when they want to, when the fictional narrative makes, makes sense. The GM never rolls any dice, he just responds, he throws things at the the players and he has an infinite pool of stuff to throw. He's he's only restrained by his own sense of what's right and what's going to work. In what he throws at the players, yeah, there is an interesting asymmetry in
1: this because, it, the the rules on, on all of these are very explicit that you have to both name your move and describe how you're doing it as a player. Yeah, you, know, you you can't say I'm going to run past this guy to the door. Mm-hmm. You have to say right. I'm using the do something under fire move to run past this guy to the door and whatever.
0: Yeah.
1: You also can't just say I'm going to use the seduce move. You you need to say what you're. You know, there is this two part thing. Yeah. Which is, which is fair enough. Uh, the GM is never allowed to name his moves. This is, this is also mm. made quite explicit, and they're, they're also fuzzier. And they're basically things to do to the PCs like. Take away some of their stuff, or you
0: yeah. use up some resources threaten their threaten their loved ones um reveal some bad news forebode they're very <laughs> all these all these rule sets are very big on foreboding um the evil that is
1: yet to come, considering how much a lot of indie games try to remove the g m completely I think it's a remarkably traditional role for the g m yeah. it's very very asymmetrical in terms of the, the rules
0: yeah the some of my players. It must be said have difficulty with this, but I'll come back to the difficulties in a moment. The good stuff about the GM section is modelled on, on Baker's initial uh, essay in Apocalypse World. It says, he says, make the world real. Concentrate on bringing up the features of what makes this type of world cool to be in. In Apocalypse World, it's it's the sense of desolation, of weirdness, of living on the edge. In Dungeon World, it's the the history of the the world, the depth of magic and heroism going back in generations. In all cases, make the world real. Use every sense and every opportunity to make the world clear. Do what the rules say you must and do what the agenda, the background driving narrative force of that universe drives you towards. And respond with moves. Soft. There are there are differences between soft moves and hard moves, which is mostly a subjective a subjective thing. A soft move is you threaten, you show them danger, you make lives, their lives slightly more difficult. A hard move is you kidnap their girlfriend, you 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 blow them up in the middle of um, you expose their secret identity if they're a superhero, mm-hmm. which should be used with discretion says when the when the players give you an opportunity it will be a criminal criminal not to go with and when they really muck up on the dice rolling all of which is good all of which produces a lot of good gaming very fast one other thing it says is play to find out what happens now that's a motto i have recommended in in the past these are games which are intended for you to start out with very little idea of what's happening in the first session. Listen to what the players are bringing to the table. Yep. And then develop what the what the game is about based on what the players say. Now, for, for that matter, I've
1: got, got an idea that the players are expected to do a fair bit of subcreation themselves. In mean, Apocalypse World, you've got gangs and followers and so on. And yeah. those are You've got your basic stats for them in your character book. Yeah. But the the actual nature of those, I think, is pretty much up to the player.
0: Yeah, you're constantly being told to say to the players, "Well, what did happen uh, back in the old dwarven king- uh, kingdom that caused you to be thrown out? Or how how did you first meet the other player over there and get them to contribute and make the make the story real?" Now that is, in theory, after the first session, you're supposed to write down everything you've got from the players and start developing what I call fronts. The things that are the themes, the threats to the player character's long-term happiness and survival. The things that the game is going to be about. Now, I've only ever done this with one game, and it didn't last, and that was a a dungeon world. Um, And this is where the point at which I found I had difficulties. First of all, my players have... A bred-in assumption that I'm going to use some sort of game mechanical model of the bad guys of the opposition to decide what their chances of succeeding are, mm-hmm. and this is almost purely narrative. There are mechanical bits in Dungeon World, especially um, like things like hit points and, uh, and that sort of thing for the for the opposition, but mostly yeah. you are supposed to narratively and this is not a game for saying, "Okay, we we
1: we've got um, seventeen pig farms and and forty three distillers, and so we can produce this much methane. Then yeah. this is this is a game for we 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 took stuff off the bad
0: guys. Therefore, we have we have more stuff. Yeah, I. The thing is, uh, it's a bit odd. Like yesterday, um, in my Wednesday night game, I had them. Um, uh, they they chose to confront uh, an evil French sorceress by cutting off her magic, teleporting her uh, uh, to them, knocking her out, and then interrogating her, her inside a um, inside a null magic field. Mm-hmm. Now, I had in fact no worked out stats for that sorceress, just a general idea of who she was. We were running under gurps, and I I didn't hadn't bothered to stat out completely because honestly I figure she's dead probably once they, they <laughs> do, once they dis- discover a reasonably good way of killing her, they she's probably dead. But I could have pulled up those those stats. I believe it would have made a psychological difference to my players if they had known that underneath it all there was nothing. The way that mm. there specifically is. And I I did have issues with this because my players said, "Well, what's the chances? What, uh, uh, what, what do I do now? Um, I mean, wh- they're used to assessing opposition and and the way things work." Yeah,
1: uh, I think in this it it wouldn't be so much what are their stats, but do I think I can take him? Yeah, changing it to an in-character decision.
0: There are yeah, and there are actually there are moves to support that in some of the in some of the later games.
1: Yeah, they, they do seem to try to. don't always succeed
0: but often try
1: to have at least one move per major stat yeah and quite often one or two of those are of of the general type think about stuff you know i i I try to notice something around here that's relevant or i i try to dig dig through my knowledge and come up with something
0: yeah Um, Uh, and these
1: generally take the form of you can then ask the gm questions of a particular type yeah Um, which which is an interesting way of doing it i rather like that
0: yeah uh, the fact that you can sometimes those th- that list of questions sometimes that list of questions is terribly limiting for g m yeah. as well as for for player you want them to be able to ask something else but i I understand why the list is there it's there to focus the action and to make things um be about the thing the game is about yeah and whilst I'm talking about difficulties players had some su- some of them get de- got deeply fed up with the subcreate creation bit with the responsibility of having to keep, come up with new stuff about their characters, come up with new cool stuff about the world yeah. it's a, it's, a, it's an activity that you want to be very careful I'm not sure I've ever had a, a, a table of players, all of whom enthused about that sort of thing I enjoy doing it quite often but I don't like to be put on the spot and suddenly told, you've got to come up with something yeah, Yeah, and maybe may, maybe there there needs to be a politer way to do this. That um, said... Okay,
1: just look, look at mechanics for a minute. No. Uh, something I rather liked, uh, where, where you've got experience, hmm. uh, ver- various things will trigger experience points, and when you have enough of them variously defined, you will get some sort of benefit. Yeah. yeah? Um, one of those that I rather liked the look of was highlighted stats. So at the beginning of the session... The person you have the highest the player character you have the highest bond with, however that works uh says right, th- this session I wanted to see you do something with your your coolness, yeah. as it might be, and the gm gets to pick a stat as well yeah and if if you then manage to arrange to make a roll against that stat during the game, we you, you, be too difficult you yeah. get a point so it, it's an it, it's a way of saying here is what we would like the session to be about here is what I would like to see. How I would like to see your character develop.
0: Yeah. On the other hand, uh, some, in some ways, you might feel that's an imposition. At all. Mm. But actually, I'm, I'm,
1: I'm reminded of primetime adventures, and mm. the, this episode is focused on a particular character mechanic, mm. which effectively gives them higher skills for that entire session.
0: Yeah, that's uh, uh, that. That is. A, I'm not sure that's the, the, the same thing, but I. I take it's not it the, the point. same thing.
1: It's the same sort of idea yeah. of here is a way we can say right. We want we want to put this guy in the spotlight in a particular way in this case. Yes.
0: Uh, and as I say, there have been a number of um, adaptations of this. Uh, the one I like best uh, is Dungeon World because mm-hmm. um, it appeals to the old school gamer in me. It is really ridiculously <laughs> retro in some ways. It even has three uh, D six. Based statistics, not that it uses them. It's just got them there in the background. They, they turn into the
1: minus three to plus three modifiers, yeah, which yes. is ridiculous.
0: I mean, why are they bother with that? I have no idea whatsoever. You could say the same thing about D anD. d These days, but no well, mind. Yeah, <laughs> I will. I, uh, if I bothered to notice D anD. d at all, I, I will. And it's the it's got the loosest and um, most genericizable thing. It is. Um, it, it did tend to degenerate into mission of the week. Uh, from time to time. My my second... My, that was the one I I ran lo- longest. Yeah,
1: it, it did seem to me to be... Yes, you're going down and bashing a dungeon, but there is a reason for it, and bad mm. stuff will happen if you don't.
0: Yeah, you know, the, that's, that's, that's where the fronts come in there. Every dungeon is to some degree to be tied into the bigger threat behind, behind it all. Another good one I found, which I enjoyed and which my players enjoyed more, was Monster of the Week, which is... A Buffy-esque or a something like like, like it um, a game of you're hunting down uh, evil creatures and you are the you are the slayer you are the watcher you are working for the mysterious organisation mm-hmm. which um, deals with that sort of thing and that was really uh, seriously cool and I wish my players had been more enthusiastic for it. Right, other ones. Uh, there's Monster Hearts. Yeah, for some reason, no. Supernatural High School Romance. Yeah, no. I've got a copy, but I'm, I'm never ever going to play that. Let me be perfectly clear. Well, unless somebody volunteers. <laughs> Your stats are hot, cold, volatile, and dark. Yeah, and and some of the uh, some are, some of you are dead to begin with, and all of you are profoundly messed up. Uh, and American teenagers. <laughs> With, but I repeat myself. <laughs> uh, other ones that I haven't uh, looked at in much detail. Tremulous, which is vaguely Lovecraftian horror. I, I haven't looked at that one at all. There's also Sagas of the of the Icelanders, which um, honestly is not an obviously genericisable um, You You are thing. a Norse settler in Iceland in 874 AD. Yeah. Have fun there. Yeah. It's cold. It. Yeah, all right. And one that strikes me, and uh, another one I haven't read, and I'm probably doing an, an injustice to, is uh, Night Witches, uh, or so Witches. No, th- this is Jason Morningstar uh, doing using a uh, power by the Apocalypse to do one about, wait for it, Soviet female fighter pilots during the Second World War. Yeah, I must admit, I wouldn't
1: have thought the... the uh, th- this A lot of this is about the social interaction between the characters, and I wouldn't have
0: thought that would be a primary focus there, but... You know, yeah, oh, well, I, I, I don't understand it myself, um, uh, and I'm not going to say life's too short. Now, uh, that, Worlds in Peril. I Worlds in Peril. Worlds in Peril, and what was the other one I gave you on? Uh, the, the, the other post-apocalypse one. Um... Dungeon Planet? Or? No, uh, not Dungeon Pla- Planet, uh, In the Ruins or something like that. Uh, we'll put it in the show notes. We'll put it in the show notes. Um in Peril and the one whose name I'm blanking on at the moment. <sighs> we'll get through an episode one of these days without me forgetting something. Um, stretch, I think, the, the engine a little too far. Wilton in Peril is the superhero one. Uh, they're, they're trying to be fairly explicit about constraining it, and it, it says up front:
1: this is about fight, fighting masterminds in the city. Yeah, it's.
0: I think the fact that all of the powers tend to be foie, 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 as uh, as a one of my players keeps saying, a bit hand wavy, a bit. You can do something like this. You can do something, something probably appropriate for superheroes, really. Well, yeah, they're... I'm sort of torn between admiring the mechanic for, and this is how you do stuff that your player has never done before and may never do again. I'm I'm torn between admiring that and despairing at, at it a bit. I'm not sure how it would, how it would play. The the, the, it, the it is definitely trying f- to
1: emulate the genre.
0: Yeah, and I can feel my players protesting about um about. Uh, the 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 mechanic whereby you have to burn your relationships with people in order to get a boost, a one-time boost at your skills. You have to sacrifice your relationship with your beloved Aunt May in order to be there in time to save the city. That's a weird thing in general. One of the other things
1: that gets you experience in, yeah. in all of these is getting your um, bond or history or string, whatever the relationship thing is called, getting that up to a uh, getting that to a value of four plus or minus. Yeah. That gets you an experience point, and then it resets to plus or minus one. Yeah. How does that work again?
0: I'm not quite sure. What it, it it it's supposed to reflect emotional climaxes and or something. I uh, yeah. It it is not. It is not entirely intuition, intuitive. Can, combined in this uh, apocalypse world, every class has a special power that kicks in when they have sex with someone. i uh, I discovered that. Uh, 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 the point is uh, isn't clear in that rule is when they have sex with another p- other player character.
1: Uh, I, th- I thought there was something implying it, it work on NPCs as well, but differently.
0: Uh, oh, Ugh, don't anyway. ask me. It never came up because my players are British. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Morty mutant vicar? More t- <laughs> uh, howling... Su- her- uh, isn't the weather a weather been been well dusty and oppressive as it usually is uh never mind <laughs> i don't think you can play apocalypse world in Surrey no matter how bad things get <laughs> White rose is closed ah. ah. this as it may yeah um <laughs> the in the ruins i am um, is well, insert proper name here is seems to be an attempt to do rain in a post-apocalyptic setting with uh the part by the apocalypse setting uh uh, system you've got not only um individual player characters of particular types but each one of them represents a different faction of survivors they're coming together for each mission but they have totally different agendas and at the end of the ages of the game, you get to decide how your group advances or retreats, becomes stronger or weaker, and that's just too, too complicated. Even Rain, which is a game I have ambiguous feelings about, but a deep amount of admiration. Rain said, "You're all working for the same faction. Mm-hmm. You're all, trying. but, but as far as I can see, this one pushes it a little too, a little too far. It, it's sort of." Interesting and admirable, but I can well, I, I can I can I can I can't see ever selling anybody. The,
1: there's a sort of strand of these, isn't there? Because um, the, the, there's rain, obviously. Um, there's the old birthright thing for D and D, which was trying trying to say, okay, now now you are a sufficiently ch- chunky adventurer that you can become a noble, because yeah. nobody's going to tell you you can't.
0: But he, here is now how you go about running a kingdom. And uh, and and there's a lot of that stuff in Pendragon as well. In fact, yep. I might say Pendragon is the uh, is the precursor and grandfather mm. uh, of all of all of this sort of stuff. But what they, you've, you've got
1: two approaches. You can either say here, here are all the new rules for running a kingdom, or you can say, well, the kingdom is basically like a
0: character and it has stats. Yeah. Well, the, uh, the yeah, but as I said, I, the fact that that we get here five different characters, five different factions, you've got to worry about completing the mission and about up uh, and about your 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 group. It goes, yeah, yeah. I, I, I know it worked with vampires in *Vampire the Masquerade*. You may all, you, you got one Malkavian, one Toreadorum and yeah. what have you. But I don't think that can work on this scale.
1: I'm remembering. Uh, I've lost the name again. I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, it's not in, just me, you see. In indie games set after World War Two, uh, the various Nazi horribles were largely contained. But people, people are now discovering all sorts of. Cold unexpected war. things might well be cold war yeah or cold war something um and e- each player characters from a different nation in post-war berlin so they're, tr- yeah, they're, they're trying to suppress that's... the outbreak of the nasties and at the same time get the useful stuff for their own side i remember that i can't
0: remember what it i can't it's called something like cold war yeah um on the whole i like I like the i I feel that some of the iterations as I say, are pushing the limits of the of the form um i'm not su- I'm not sure how how far it can go i do I will tell you one thing though, having looked at the fact that uh d Vincent Baker having been reminded that he did in a wicked age, I now want to write in a wicked world which takes. <laughs> the the oracle thing from In a Wicked Age and allows you to turn that into um, a, a power by the apocalypse setting. I'm sure it can be done. I'm I'm almost convinced hmm. that I've had a very good idea. Don't worry, it won't last very long. Yeah, I could see that working certainly. Anci- an- ancient Middle East Middle Eastern setting. You don't know. You ch- you're changing all but one character every session. And you're building up a huge backlog, but by golly, it would solve the problems that, that I had as a GM in in doing it in a Wicked Age, of having to stat out all those bloody NPCs in about five minutes flat, and uh, and that would make my life so much easier. Yeah, I think I think this one is almost is <laughs> almost at a, at a, at a go, but no promises. You did you heard it here first. You may hear it here last. <laughs> any anyway, any any further comments, Roger? It's
1: not a system I am particularly likely to run any time soon, but that's not because I dislike it, it's because I've got systems I'm already happy with. Um, I I like the emphasis on the interpersonal thing. I'm still looking for a game that handles interpersonal relationships well. I'm not sure that plus one to plus three is is the best way to do it, or minus one to minus three. But there there is more to it, particularly... if if you look at the ver- various different ways the different games do it, I mean, in, in mm. Monster Hearts, for example, you don't, you don't have relationships with someone; you have strings on someone.
0: Yeah,
1: uh, they they owe you something in effect. you can't have relationships. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's be polite about this. Uh, but I, I I think there's something there, and I'm I'm still looking at hill and thinking i like it i like the idea i just don't like the implementation and i'm I'm wondering whether this might be a good source for a related implementation you
0: know what the trouble with running uh uh a personal relationships in games is is gamers mm-hmm. <laughs> let's let's move let, on that on that sententious <laughs> note let's move on <laughs> have been having what I suspect may be too much fun. I'm currently running, as I mentioned, a, a game um, about the recreation of magic, the return of magic to um, Restoration England, and the player characters are members of the 36 people who have been gifted with the knowledge of magic due to some unwise experiments by Isaac Newton. But they're not the only members of the 36, and they have encountered and recruited some other people. And these other people are maybe what's giving me the problem. I'm having entirely too much fun with them. One of them is Nell Gwyn. Now, having Nell Gwynn in your magic study group is just a gift for somebody who wants to play a, chir- a chirpy cockney... Um, Actress um, come, uh, courtesan come, what what have, have you, who... Uh, Restoration actress. Restoration actress. Carry the rest ah, of mine. and Ah, uh, and, and also there's the ally of uh, one of the player characters who is Irish and his wife. And you can say, yes, dear, in that tone of voice which says, um, uh, you're an idiot, but I still love you. And I can do that once or twice a session. And there's the <laughs> and there's the formerly insane, uh, uh, formerly parliamentarian colonel who has um, one of the hor- most horrible magical gifts uh, is possible to have and feels terribly conflicted about this. And there is also the man- manservant um, who goes around um, uh, deferring to everybody and making sarcastic remarks. So he's just as magically powerful as the rest of them. And uh, Roger... And having too much fun with these player <laughs> characters, I've got them all in uh, in a farmhouse in Sussex with the with the all the NPCs with the uh, with the player characters, and this is giving me too many opportunities to do stuff. Now, apart from overacting badly, I'm also yielding to the temptation to allow the PCs to do stuff, which I really ought to allow the the NPCs to do stuff, which I really ought to reserve for the players to get to. I'm using them too often to give hints and information and point them the right way in their explorations of how magic works. They are coming up with stuff, thank, thanks be, be that they are, are, they are coming up with stuff which I wasn't expecting, which I can bounce off. But too often I'm yielding to the temptation. And in these twin temptations, how do I set barriers for myself? for you know for doing too much and for being there too much and for yeah hard. i i think there's a continuum here
1: um mm. i suspect i mostly tend to underplay my npcs yeah um they're, they're there they'll, they'll do stuff but they do very often don't initiate things uh or or they just say the bare minimum then we get on with the action uh, there, there is a term for this sort of thing, the GMPC, which, yeah. which is, is never used in an approving way. No, you're that wrong. I don't think there is a, a clear line you can draw saying that just above this point is GMPC and bad, and just below this point is NPC and that's fine. Yeah. It, it will depend on the situation. I, I think there are some warning signs. Um are, And what, ones that I watch out for in myself. Um, the GM who wants to tell his own story. And I, I probably from GM more than more than I play. I think you probably yeah, do too. True. Um So So it, it's appealing to develop a character and, and
0: do stuff with it. Yeah, I, um, I, I, I'm looking forward to to what happens when the colonel resolves his difficulties immensely. But uh, th-
1: this is this is supposed to be the player character's story, so maybe write a book instead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, but but I actually no- noted this before you started talking about your examples, especially if it's an inst- interesting historical personality. About him, has done a bit of research. Yeah,
0: uh, this has certainly happened in my World War Two games. You, 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 well, you you want to? The thing is, one of the things you want to do is give them a happier ending. Um, I, one of the things that Magic is is has done for Nell Gwyn is she's not going to die as young young as she did, uh, assuming. You know they don't, don't all get burned at the stake first. <laughs> um, so, uh, uh, so I, I want I want to I want to play with them. I want to 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 give them chances to to do things. But I sometimes it is difficult to you've got to give priority to the PCs to be cool.
1: Yeah, and um, especially if you've got a traditional fantasy sort of game where, where niche protection becomes a factor. Yeah. Um, there are always more
0: powerful people in the world than the the, yeah. the characters, or at least they should be.
1: Yes, but they shouldn't be in the party.
0: Quite. Yeah. Um, the 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 wizard who is a better
1: wizard than the player character wizard who's specialised in it mm. is no fun for that player or anybody else. And yeah, I I think I, if if I've got an NPC who goes along with the party, I try to make them not have useful adventuring type skills, <laughs> um, or or at least. In, in a minor way. I mean, they may be able to look after themselves and make camp and things, but they're, but they're not going to be a superb fighter or whatever. Um, then again, you, you've also got the, the um, obnoxious Escort Quest NPC. Go on. Uh, you know, you, the, the, the mission, the, the job of the player characters is to get this person from A to B yeah. alive.
0: Oh yeah, and, the, and, the, and the, the some
1: ston- some GMs will feel I can just be an, as annoying as I like here because they've got to keep this guy alive.
0: The Scotty Princess, yeah, yeah, that, uh, that's especially for, that's one I've used for a, a visiting, uh, for visiting uh, uh, friends who are dropping in uh, to the <laughs> game for 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 a week. Um, you you give you give them the the the, the noble that you're escorting, who has delusions of adequacy. And uh, and go with, and go with that. The I've I've played the drums a little. How can hard it be. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody at court has ever criticised my fencing before. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, an extreme example
1: of this, for people familiar with the forgotten realms, of course, is Elminster, <sighs> who started life as Ed Greenwood's player character, rapidly became Ed Greenwood's GMPC, and then graduated to Deus Ex Machina. Superbly powerful wizard who doesn't get involved much, but when he does, the GM is, is uh, guiding you back on track at the very least.
0: The thing is, I do want a, I do want to have somewhere in the background uh, characters who are going to save the PCs from their worst folly, or at least potentially can can do so once or twice in the in the campaign. I want their employers back at head at headquarters to have some input even if they're not there when they're at the cutting edge you want to uh to have uh angleton uh back at the laundry uh to be there to get their backs assuming they haven't annoyed him terminally. um you want their um their boss in the in the private detective agency to have some sort of uh, ability to influence
1: the police. Yeah, I, I think one has to step away somewhat from, from skills and abilities and contacts and so on. Uh, though obviously if they're ones that the PCs don't have, that, that's a good yeah. thing. But but look at narrative role, um, particularly in who initiates things. I run a lot of mission-structured uh, yeah. campaigns and adventures. So uh, the the boss says, your, your mission for this week is to go and do X, here's what we know about it. Yeah. But the boss then steps out of the way, and yes, yes the boss knows people and may, may well be able to um, say, yes, well, all right, you did blow up Rio, but you got the bad guy, uh, however your budget is going to be cut, and it may be suitably sarcastic after the mission, Yeah. but he's not going to get involved in it, as a general rule.
0: Well, the, the problem comes when they've screwed up, I mean seriously screwed up, and when they have difficult decisions to make, and they'd like to make them themselves. Well, you, you, you've said before, and I agree with you, that actions are supposed to have consequences.
1: And if, yeah. if they've screwed up, then they've screwed up. Um, uh, yeah, all right, you don't want to end the campaign. Yeah. The, but uh, I, I wonder whether, whether you, you need some nastier people coming to save them and so say, yeah, all right, um, we, we will keep you alive,
0: but... Yeah, there, there comes a point where... You, you now owe well, a big time. Yeah, there comes a point where that will break. The... Uh, the campaign, if uh, if they um, and spoil the fun, if they if they they're taken away. My the, my other problem, as I mentioned, is is the dropping of hints in this particular campaign. I have clear visions of some of the ways they can get out of their initial difficulties with magic, and I have too often I've been told by one of the players who, who wants the. The pleasure of um, figuring out what's going on all by himself, no matter how long it may take him, (laughs) um, that I have hinted a little too often. Yeah, and keeping the party
1: on track is one of those classic GMing difficulties, whether or not you're doing it with an NPC. Yeah. And I I think part of this is is, um, expectation and pace mismatch
0: between players and between players and GM. Well, I've got the, the thing is they do appear to be having fun doing the discovery of magic and discovering the boundaries. But sooner or later, I've got a feeling it's going to be sooner the way um, they're responding to some stuff. They're going to have to decide what they do with it, rather than how they do it. Um, and that's going to that that forces the pace and makes them have to have to move forward. I don't know. I I am. Where I used to be. I was at one time professionally engaged as an actor and I do want to be able to give voice to the NPCs who are there hmm. for a logical reason and sort of have to be there. It would be nice sometime in the future to reduce it to just the player characters and have them out there trying, trying to do things on their own but it's a long way degree of manipulation until I get there. I don't know how to put a lid on my own creativity around the table, and perhaps I shouldn't. The criterion is, are the players enjoying it? Which
1: is a hard thing to... I'm, I, I'm told by people who run games in the US that they have players who, who complain all the time and say, I liked this, I didn't like that, and give lovely feedback. I have
0: never met this in a British group. I, 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 at one of my uh, Monday Night group, I was discussing something... i just run Gumshoe with them for the fir- first time and we were discussing it afterwards and one of the the the, the players nearly stalked out saying well I, want, I i find all this philosophizing after the game to be totally tedious and uh <laughs> and I, I, I said i won't do that again <laughs> yeah um well
1: i i try to encourage uh, so, some some of my players will, would rather give me private feedback by email but most of yeah. them would rather give me no feedback at all I think res- resisting the lure of the NPC, and, and if if the players are looking bored with them, get them off stage fast. Yeah. Uh, whether or not it makes narrative sense at the time, uh, give them something else they should be doing, which is not a sort of thing the PCs do. Maybe. Fair enough. I. Think. I, I, I had what what one big failure on this, um, in a transhuman space game, mm-hmm. an NPC who was an uplifted octopus, who was mm-hmm. slightly more intelligent than than they are generally expected to be. And I set things up so that if, if the players wanted to take him along with them, they could. And they immediately responded by saying, "No, let, let us find him a proper legal guardian and uh, disconnect ourselves."
0: Hmm.
1: Which is fine. I mean, they, they were they were a working ship crew. They they could have used his help, but it wasn't a wasn't a huge thing. Hmm. And it would certainly have caused them problems. That's why I wanted to send him
0: along with them because he would have <laughs> caused problems.
1: <laughs> Yeah, there's it, It's fair enough. It, it's an. They made an in-character decision. I think that's the key thing. That yeah. yeah, this guy would be interesting, but he's more trouble than he's worth. And so I just sat back with that and said, okay, fine, let's let's live with it.
0: There is no defending for the one time in ten thousand in which your players decide to be sensible. <laughs> They're a fairly sensible bunch, actually. <laughs> I'm getting used to it. Oh well, at least I can. At least is, start, is starting rehearsals for a new play in the New Year, so I can get her out of the way. <laughs> and I, th- I think where it works, um, assisting
1: a new player character mm-hmm. is is what, one way, or, or a, a bunch of player characters who are low powered for the world. But I think one needs to move fairly quickly into giving them adventures that are scaled to them.
0: Yeah, quite.
1: Rather than you can go along with a senior guy and he can well, show uh, you what's the, what. The,
0: the adventures should always be scaled to the to the player yeah. characters. It's when they. Determinantly, and after you saying numerous times, do you really want to do that? Decide to get out of their depth. That you need to bring in the uh, (laughs) really powerful friend who's just coming along to keep an eye on things. Honestly, yeah. No, take 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 my mobile number just in case. I
1: think you you want an NPC who's along with the party to be to be not giving directions, certainly. Yeah. But on the other hand, so. That that means there are certain things that just don't work. So you you have a a party of junior military people and their leader is an NPC, mm-hmm.
0: um, yeah. which
1: you you've been in a game where where I did that. But but the only way to make it work was effectively to make him a joke. You know he 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 is the officer who is very keen on flair and a and so on, and has just enough sense to defer, defer to his ex- experienced uh, underlings
0: when yeah. it comes to the sharp end. Yeah, the yeah, the problem of command structures in, in in games is is a is a perennial one, um, because every, it's not true that every player around the table wants to be the one in charge. I, I have players who, who will do anything to avoid being put in charge, uh, what, and what some I will do dis- anything to ensure that the player they dislike is put in charge.
1: I I found um, particularly if I run, run a one shot game where I've got the uh, player character names as, as on the sign-up sheets, so yeah. they've got some idea of what rank people are. The, if there is somebody who is clearly higher rank than everybody else, that will be the last one to get signed up for <laughs> every time. On the other hand, lots of players want to be in charge. They just don't, just don't want the responsibility of being the yeah, character yeah, who is yeah, officially yeah. in charge.
0: Power without responsibility is, is something we're all aiming <laughs> for, I think. All right. Oh, I think we we'll keep this one around, uh, around, around enough. I shall, I shall try and take your words to heart and um, and and see and try and uh, try not to create so damn many interesting NPCs. Meanwhile, I'm, I'm, I continue to try to turn mine
1: up a bit because uh, I, I don't remember to do the voices and the speech patterns and and the so on, and, and they they do tend to blur into each other a bit. And I, I try to fix that a little.
0: Oh, good luck! Break a leg.
1: strange place from a gaming point of view this is great Mm -hmm. because one can take strange things that have happened in the real world and insert them into games with appropriate care current news items I'm I'm not a big fan of reading the news I find it very depressing but strange news can turn into adventures a a few years ago uh, when when the credit crunch hit one of the side effects of this was an awful lot of container ships had no uh, cargo to carry uh huh, and so they ended up being pretty much moored off Singapore, since that was conveniently close to where they were likely to be needed next. Yeah. So several hundred huge ships, nobody really keeping much track of what was going on, and uh, that—that—that's, to me, a very compelling setting. It's—it's it's slightly unconventional. You can put pretty much anything there. Yeah. As long as you can get there.
0: I seem to recall that episode. Yes.
1: <laughs> Recently, somebody broke into the grave of F.W. Moon. um early film. Yeah, and stole his head. What? Yeah, all right.
0: Let's let's let's, let's all right. This this is is he made Nosferatu among others. Yeah, this is a piece of prime weirdness, and not a sort of thing. But it does illustrate some of the difficulties. First of all, there are matters of taste <laughs> involved here. I don't know if he has any rela- remaining relatives, but. It's going around stealing people's skulls. Oh, the the skull of, the head of of Oliver Cromwell's been kicking around in in various jars for quite some time. And there is that strange American um, society at Yale, um, which seems to have something to do with, you know, skulls and bones and things (laughs) like that. But how are you going to, almost anything you could do in a game that would make this make sense is going to be in bad taste in some way, if you've thought about it in real life. Yes. Uh, so I'm, what would you propose I'm, n- I'm to not do?
1: that worried about bad taste. I'm generally not writing for publication. All right. But,
0: um, all right. Uh, there might be issues around the table. What, what are you going to do with the missing head, or missing skull, of a great horror film director? Right. Well, starting off with... So,
1: somebody has taken this for, for reasons of their own. The obvious one is because they're trying to do something vaguely occult. Mm-hmm. And depending on the nature of the world, that may or may not have any chance of actually working.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. Less obviously, maybe they want somebody to think that they're doing something occult so that they can get in touch with the people who will come to deal with them. Or, That's an esoterrorist's plot, that is. Yep. Yeah, or they are complete idiots um, who, who think they're great film fans. Or... There are lots of possibilities here. Well, yeah. I mean, Esoterist is, is pretty much designed for this style of play, I think. It's true. Yeah. Um, Dark, Dark Conspiracy Wars as well, though, that was more focused on the sort of
0: supermarket tabloid type story. Hmm. But, uh, well, there, there, there are problems with bringing the, the, the weirdness of the real world into. Uh, in, 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 especially in conspiracy type games, there's a temptation to explain what the weird things that are going on in political terms that almost all I have I've I've allowed a a weirdness to to go on uh, in my games and I did at one point and I feel slightly guilty of it now Depict George W. Bush as being the Antichrist and I'm really very uh, I I was feeling very ahead up at the time (laughs) and I could not explain um, I mean alright it was only a superhero game let me me be perfectly frank so, so we weren't taking it Terribly seriously. <laughs> but, um, yeah, all right. We'll give I, examples I, th- I, th- I think it is a good
1: idea to step back a bit with that sort of thing. And ro- rather than say the X party is trying to achieve this, yeah. it would be the, this shadowy faction which is controlling the X party. I'm not sure that's an improvement, Roger. Honestly, I'm not. Yeah, I, th- I think most people who see political parties are controlled by shadowy factions these days. They're clearly not controlled by their leaders.
0: Um. All right, go on. Okay,
1: Uh, here's another example, and this one is certainly in potentially hugely bad taste. Um, Saddam Hussein, when he was in power, had a Quran uh, made, inked inked with human blood. He asserted it was his own blood. It was probably actually the blood of political prisoners extracted without their consent. Um, Okay, Okay. real-world blasphemy. Yeah
0: um but
1: the thing is the question
0: now in the real world is what are you going to do with it because it's the quran and you can't deface or destroy it except that it is it is excuse me it's not my religion if it were my religion i'd probably be i'd probably be very conflicted
1: yeah and there's also the concern of is this going to be an object of pilgrimage from people who think, "Hey, he was a really good guy. He made the trains run on time," as as you get with uh, old Nazi regalia?
0: Yes. Um, you can't not revere it because it, it it's a faithful copy of the words of the prophet. But on the other hand, isn't that sort of thing unclean? In most, yeah, utterly unclean and, and abominable. And uh, um, um, the the impression I get, having having
1: read um, a little about the subject, is that. The, it, it it is a thing that should not be allowed to exist. But destroying it is in itself the thing that should not be done.
0: Um, uh, all you can do is put it in a place, known, in, in a town known for having um, outbursts of arson, and hope for the best. Yeah, using it in a game would be horrendous. In, in it, it's it's. Uh, I've only ever had one Muslim player in my games, but I think he probably would have objected, somewhat strongly, if if this had been brought in. I object to it, and I, I'm an agnostic. I I think that the the approach I would
1: use if I were going to bring that sort of thing in would would be, um. A f- fairly straightforward one, you know. I, I, I would not want to assign that some sort of mystical power unless it's a, unless it were a setting in which lots of things have mystical power because people feel strongly about them, which I think mm. you get as little bit in the terrorists.
0: Yeah, that, but it's. If it actually did something other than just existing and annoying people, it would be worse. But if I. Yeah, what's that quote from Shakespeare? If I saw this presented on a stage, I would condemn it as an unnatural fiction. <laughs> It is yes,
1: what, what, one of the great things about take, taking real-world stuff is you, you can get things you could never get away with making up. What did they say at the time? Is he, I mean, he's minions. Jolly good
0: idea, Supreme Leader.
1: I think that's mostly what they said if they wanted to keep living. Yeah. Um, um, no, nobody has come forward and said I was involved in the construction of this, which one can entirely understand.
0: But, um, yes, that's my penmanship just there. Yes, I can confirm it was entirely his own bloody... T- uh, we used a pint a week. Uh, no, no, I don't want to think about that.
1: Um, a, another one, a, more, more of a location again. Lake Carachay, which is d- deep in the Urals. Yeah. It was used as a nuclear waste dump for many years. Uh-huh. Um, some, some of the nuclear waste storage facilities have since blown up, as they do if they get too hot. Yeah. So basically, you're getting about six hundred rads an hour. Uh, yeah, this is well above a fatal dose. Uh huh. So obviously, it's the sort of place you want to send a player character. Uh, yep. Yeah, uh, only the ones with it with the terminal disease
0: disadvantage. <laughs> uh where,
1: where where the radiation army? You'll be fine. And and, and we really t- need we really need the McGuffin back. Y- all right. And, the, and then yeah. let let them plan how they're going to do this. That's Personally, I think a lot of drones would be a good start.
0: My yeah, my uh, the, uh, this reminds me of a of a laundry adventure from one of the published supplements, which involved going into a Soviet era underground uh, dump for um, occult stuff, and uh, and coming out alive more and unmutated, more or less um, at, at the end of the day. In working in, working in, the, in those isolation uh, uh, containment suits is, is a bugger, let me mm. tell you. If you're doing anything at all active or you know, dangerous... The, the,
1: the place you want to put your dangerous occult stuff is in the middle of the Chernobyl exclusion zone, because then you don't have to shoot
0: as many people trying to take a look at it. That makes almost perfect sense. The, the discovery that that the Soviets meant for this to happen... <laughs> would cause an awful lot of resentment in the Ukraine. Yet the, you are aware that there is, is there is a sort of bubbling of of international tension uh, over there. Um, this yeah. might be again an accusation of being in bad taste.
1: Yeah, I'm. But then well, I, the, these days, I did, one, one I is aware
0: of cultural appropriation as
1: a concept and. I don't think the players I have would have a problem with that sort of thing. Again, as long as it's done with a modicum of respect, I'm, I'm not going to have um, cartoon Ukrainians and cartoon Russians. I'm, I'm going to have, I'm going to try to have re- real people
0: who have real concerns. Okay. Well, yeah, I think I think the cartoon Ukrainians, the cartoon Russians, are easier. Uh, to be honest, the 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 laundry, um, the laundry adventure had cartoon cartoon. Uh, uh, Russians and cartoon Germans, um, or was it the Poles, who were resenting about what they'd just discovered that had been left on their territory. Back in the in the 1980s, when uh, Prince Charles's telephone calls were being intercepted, I did use one of them as the basis of an over-the-edge um, adventure. But then over-the-edge does tend towards... it wasn't required to be in, in bad taste it just had to be weird hmm. but there was a, a certain level of, you can do bad taste if you really feel like it. Yeah,
1: I'm, the the World War 2 game that I'm running blends into this to some extent because I'm dealing with Nazis. Yeah, that's and always... The, and and Nazis, the, and the, Nazis and the occult is always... And that can jump straight into bad taste there is a very good piece of advice in GURPS Weird War 2 um, you... Yeah. You can't just not mention the Holocaust, mm-hmm. because that that is fairly dodgy in itself. But to say that it is happening in order to gain occult power is a fairly dubious concept, and it, it's yeah. not a thing I would be happy. You yeah, know? It's... and so so there are actually s- several justifications given for why this won't work, mm. and um, yeah, th- th- this has come into into play in the game. I won't go into the details because the uh, characters don't know the full ramifications of it yet. But no. let's let's just say that tr- trying to um, sacrifice the the undermen that you're going to kill anyway to to raise a cult power isn't a great idea.
0: I noticed Charlie Stross did not step away from this in the Laundry novels. Hmm. It's right it's in there right from uh, the the first part of the part of it, the Atrocity Archives. Though so it's um it's something that's assumed in the background rather than um, return to um, her depths. it the reason it's about uh, it's explained why it was a bad idea for them to do it but they went to go ahead and did it anyway I think is the yeah. uh, and, and it's something that, uh, that the laundry can't doesn't want to do uh, um, themselves because it would just make things worse which is a, a good reason to yeah, yeah. I think and it, this this doesn't have to
1: be in a modern game I should say or, or even a real world game yeah um, this, this sort of thing can be used as inspiration. Yeah. I mean, Lake Karachay could could become the the place where the wizard's tower was was blown up in the, in the last. Um, well, everybody got fed up with him. Yeah. And now now it is um, full full of magical fallout, and you really don't want to be there. But you need something back from there. I think,
0: I think. Uh, yeah, I, avoiding politics and avoiding religion. On the other hand, there are so many good, tempting stories. Going well, if on there. if you don't tell people where the ideas came
1: from, I'm, in a fantasy world, you 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 could um, quite easily have, um, mm. here is a copy of our of our holy book that has that has been created in human blood, and this is this is a terrible thing, but we don't quite know what to do about it.
0: Without the without the bad taste issues, unfortunately, and you can for certain values. Um, actually access the gods there is a there is a uh, let us take it to the oracle on the far side of the desert and ask <laughs> them what to do with it is there? Uh, yeah but uh, that, that's still generating an adventure it's true it's true
1: yeah well, they w- one thing to bear in mind would be um, uh, at least the sources i use for this sort of thing one, one of which is that there's a thread on the sj games forum called real life weirdness yeah um in a, in a historical fantasy game you're not travelling as fast you can't casually go around the world to look into things so I, either you need to take longer to wind up to them or they need to be happening closer to home but they, they get more def- and so, some things just don't don't make sense because if there is magic well, well yes obviously this was done for magical reasons yeah. it doesn't work anymore um, the the disconcerting angle of this is I'm, I'm running a historical set game I don't have encyclopedic knowledge of the period but I, I'm yeah. gradually going more Sometimes things you find mesh all too well with with the justification you've come up with for stuff in game.
0: Give an example.
1: I I can't actually, at this point, without revealing it to my characters, (laughs) that's hang on a minute, that only makes sense if this thing I made
0: up is true. Yeah. (laughs) Don't go there, Roger. That way madness works.
1: <laughs> yeah, th- this, this happened in, in the 1960s like, Sionics campaign as well. Var- various um, implausible decisions by politicians um, make much Some... more sense if they're under, under foreign
0: mind control at the time. I've often thought that, yeah. You see, this is my problem with George W. Bush. It makes so much more sense <laughs> if you But, hey.
1: Okay, Down downsides. Don't want to overdo it.
0: No, quite.
1: Um... I, I could sort of see a campaign dapping around the world and l- looking into weirdness, but there's, by definition, not much of a unifying theme unless you create one for yourself, yeah. at which point you're, you're reducing the space of um, real-world weirdnesses that you can use. Also not a good idea to force things in. The basic problem is it, it's a source of ideas, and yeah. that's great, but it's not a shortcut because you still need to do all the hard work of building the adventure around it, mm. integrating it with the existing NPC factions, all the rest of it, so yes. it actually makes sense.
0: My sense of what is weird is getting, um, is getting is getting uh, more and more stretched by reality, and the, the, <laughs> unfortunately, as I get older, I can't tell whether it's me or the world that's getting weirder. People are saying and doing things. It's possible that I may be becoming a bit of an old fogey. Well, John Nolan, uh, on this show
1: a while back, pointed out uh, years ago that. Uh, a modern Cthulhu character really ought to have a lot of their sanity lost prepaid, I and mean, they've already come to terms with the atom bomb and the Holocaust and all these other things yeah, that I've people heard, in the twenties hadn't hadn't yeah, heard of.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, the thing is, uh, uh, what the basic conception of of uh, of, of of Lovecraft's horror—the the, the 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 vast uncaring universe in which we are mere specks, um, and that there is no point to human existence tends to produce us. Yeah. So what? From a lot of people nowadays. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not sure they're not fooling themselves, but that is their honest reaction. I wonder if Cthulhu is the anti role
1: playing game. And role playing games are to a large extent, we were saying earlier about saying the player characters are important.
0: We have power. We can do things unlike in the real world. And in Cthulhu Cthulhu, you have less power than in the real world. Oh, I don't know. That would be difficult. <laughs> I think we've drained this one dry. Yeah. Passing on. Advised Radio Theatre with Dice with me, Michael Q and me, Roger bell West. Please uh, tell us about your adaptations to Things Run with the Powered by the Apocalypse engine, and uh, your sins as a GM and other in not too much graphic detail by leaving a message at the website or by sending us a text uh, email thing on podcast at tekeli.ly and we hope to be back in even further depths of the summer next month